Morning, morning. Hey, will you take a moment just to thank the worship team with me this morning? That was wonderful to get to sing together. Wonderful to get to sing together. Hey, uh, guests, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Kale. I'm the teaching pastor here. A couple of things for you. There are some QR codes. Guests, if you're new here, we're thrilled that you're here. Uh, hopefully someone, our parking team does, does a great job. So hopefully you got a chance to uh, say hello to someone even on the way out and on the way in as well. But there are some QR codes in front of you. If you'll use that QR code, it'll take you to a place called lpguest.com. If you don't want to use the QR code or it's not working well, just type in lpguest.com to a web browser. That's for you. The notes will be there for this morning. Uh, just to help you kind of orient to the life of our church. There's a ton of resources there and there's a guest information card. So if you are new, we'd love to connect with you at a guest central before you leave, but we know sometimes in the rush of things, that's not possible. So it's a great way to connect with us digitally. And you'll also see uh, what we call our Serve the City Partners. Our Serve the City Partners are listed there. And you'll just choose one of those. Those are ministries around town in central Ohio that we as a church partner with uh, across our five campuses. Just choose one of those. Whichever one you're passionate about, we'll donate $5 in your honor. No strings attached. Just our way of saying thanks for being with us this morning. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew 6. That's where we're going to be parked this morning, Matthew 6. Uh, But before we jump into Matthew 6, a couple other things. One, uh, when you leave this morning in the lobby on the way in, you may have noticed uh, there's a, a tree out there, simple white wooden tree. That's our, our Christmas giving tree, something that we've done every year for a number of years now. Uh, there's a QR code by it. So basically we take this opportunity as we head into the holiday season just to bless individuals and families within our church family who could use that blessing this year. And we understand sometimes we've, we've probably all been there where it's like, man, I could use that blessing. Our family could use that blessing, but I don't necessarily want to raise my hand and say, hey, I could use that blessing. So we're asking that QR code is for you to nominate someone else, right? For you to say, hey, I know that's just been a rough season for them or for him or for her. So go ahead and use the QR code. It'll take you to a form and you can nominate that person to say, hey, it would be a a really great uh, thing if we as a church just financially blessed them this Christmas season. So don't forget to do that. In past years, we've asked folks to to give toward that just to streamline that process. We're just asking you to nominate folks and we as a church are just gonna take from our giving. We're gonna commit money to that this year uh, to cover all the costs of that. And so uh, just nominate someone uh, on your way out today or throughout the course of this series. Well, um, last week, we finished up a four-week series uh, that we were calling Ordinary People. And in the course of that series, we were asking folks pretty pointedly, we shared these stories from the scriptures of God using ordinary folks to do extraordinary things. And we said, hey, here at the Delaware campus, we could use 76 folks to take a step forward to serve on our various teams. Uh, I just want to celebrate with you. So um, final tally, 90 folks took that step uh, to at least take a first step, which I'm thrilled about. So a couple of things couple of things with that, right? One, 30 of those folks are training actually today uh, to take sort of a second step. Uh, with that, if you took the first step and then sort of fell off the radar a bit, I just want to encourage you, don't stop. Um, if someone has emailed you from our team or reached out to you and you kind of ghosted them, right? I'm not saying you're a bad person, but you're a bad person. No, I'm just kidding, right? And so uh, reach back out. You took a first step. Take, take that second step and follow through with that as well, because we've seen that's a trajectory change for folks. So take that second step. If you signed up and nobody reached out to you, uh, that's an administrative error. Maybe in the shuffle of things, uh, something happened there or I got, you know, a spam, spam folder. So please, if you took that step and you're like, nobody reached out to me, email Kevin Hover today, Kevin H 
at lifepointohio.com because we wanna make sure nobody gets missed in that process. But thanks to all those folks who have taken the step forward. Thanks for all who are currently serving uh, in a ministry. We're thrilled. And uh, I just wanna take a moment actually, if we will, as a church, let's pray for those 90 folks who are taking that step, for the 30 folks training today, because that's a spiritual decision. We have a spiritual enemy who doesn't want folks to take a step to serve others, to give of their time and, and talents to others. And so let's just pray over them as they take that step because some folks it's serving for the very first time. Um, Father, we as a church just appeal to you and to your mercy and to your fatherhood. God, we ask for your blessing over those folks who have taken a step over this last month. God, as, as folks step on the teams, I pray that you would guard them. I pray that you would use them. I pray that it would be a fulfilling experience for them. But most of all, God, that uh, they would grow in their faith as they take that step and their willingness to serve you would result in other people uh, coming to know and love Jesus and growing in their faith. God, we ask that uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit and in your name, amen. And amen. Well, today we kick off a new series, four-week series that we're calling Kingdom Values. And uh, big idea of the series, something we're going to say every single week, is that living in the kingdom means giving towards things that matter, right? Living in the kingdom means giving towards things that matter. And you'll see there are two parts to that, right? Living in the kingdom, giving towards things that matter. Let me address both, right? Living in the kingdom, one of the most pervasive concepts in the New Testament throughout the teachings of Jesus is this idea of the kingdom of God the kingdom of heaven. The king, you'll see it used in, in basically uh, uh, phrases that mean the same thing, but you see it all across the New Testament. John the Baptist comes on the scene and he's telling everybody what? Repent. The guy who came before Jesus, right? If you don't know him, he's telling everybody, get your hearts ready for the kingdom of God is at hand. Then Jesus steps onto the scene. He's baptized. He begins his public ministry. And what does he tell everybody? Repent. Get your hearts ready. For the kingdom of God is near. It's here. It's at hand. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is here. And when we say, well, what is the kingdom of God? Simply put, it's anywhere God is king. And you, you might say, well, isn't that kind of everywhere? In a general sense, yes. But in a specific sense, there is this spiritual kingdom that the New Testament talks about that's not about physical boundaries, but about God's reign and God's rule in people's hearts. So as people are giving their lives to Christ, as they're repenting of sin, as it happens today, as you repent of sin, trusting Jesus with your life, God's reign and God's rule comes and his spirit indwells you and you enter into this kingdom. And so the kingdom grows as spiritual darkness is pushed back and light comes into your life, driving out that darkness. It's God's reign. So you might say it that way. The kingdom of God is God's reign and his rule in our hearts. Now, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. This is a sermon that many of us may be familiar with. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And let's give you a roadmap for where we're headed the next four weeks. We're gonna start and end in Matthew 6, in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. In between, next week and the week after, we're gonna share two stories. Uh, one, a, a parable, one, an actual thing that happened, right, that Jesus tells that basically illustrate the other two weeks and what he's talking about here in Matthew 6. But Matthew 6, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount is basically the inaugural address of King Jesus. Jesus says the kingdom is at hand. He's the king. And so he gives this inaugural address and says, hey, what does life look like in the kingdom? What should increasingly mark the life of citizens in God's kingdom? As you and I step into this kingdom by grace, through faith, Jesus says, well, what, what should be the things that are growing in your life? What are the things that you're starting to do? What are the things that you're stopping doing? Because you're like, this just doesn't fit with life in the kingdom. 
And it's not about us, hey, you're gonna get this right every single time, but sanctification is that, hey, these things increasingly mark your life as you walk with Jesus. And so as we look at Matthew 6, we're gonna look living at the kingdom, but then this giving toward things that matter. We're gonna take a full swing at Jesus' teachings on our relationship to money and financial resources. And I understand for some of us, you're like, cool. For others of us, that's really hard. For others of us, you don't care. For others of us, you're like, I've never heard what Jesus said on these things and may be interested to know. But I wanna take a moment and address something now. As we head into the next four weeks and we talk through Jesus's teachings on our relationship to money, I wanna say this. So over the years at LifePoint, we've been pretty sensitive in teaching through these things because we understand it's a sensitive topic for folks. As I talk with people, as I've pastored over the years, I I recognize uh, this is an area of hurt for some people. It's a sensitive area for some people. Uh, Sometimes uh, spiritual leaders, sometimes nationally recognized spiritual leaders have taken advantage of people in this area such that it has led to a lot of skepticism, a lot of cynicism and a lot of hurt when it comes to talking about finances and money and our faith. And so I fully recognize that. And I, our, our hope and our desire uh, is that never someone would leave here saying, man, I think they just want my money. You'll notice we don't even take up a public offering. Guests, we never ask you to participate in any sort of giving uh, because we take, we have one time a year, right? Our Wide Open World Missions offering. We ask everybody to give. But other than that, we say, hey, that's the responsibility and privilege of our members and regular attenders because it's not true. We're not saying we just want your money. We, what our primary goal for you is that you would come to love Jesus and know how loved you are by him, that you would know him and understand that you're known by him. That's our goal for you. And at the same time, It would be a disservice. It would be wrong for us not to talk through and teach through the whole counsel of scripture, including the things that Jesus says about our relationship to money. In fact, Jesus talks about it a lot, like repeatedly, to the point where when you read through the gospels, you're like, why is he talking about, you know, why does he keep talking about this over and over and over and over? It's because it's really important. And it's because I, I think we can say this with confidence. Money is one of the primary idols of our hearts. Money is one of the primary idols of our hearts. It's, I think, part of the reason Jesus addresses it so head on. The Apostle Paul, when he was speaking to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, he tells him, man, love, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And he goes on to tell him a lot of folks, because of their desire for it, their craving for it, he says they've wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It's literally shipwrecked people's faith because they're walking away from that going, man, I really want this, which is what Jesus is gonna address here in a little bit in Matthew 6, that you have to choose. We see it everywhere in our culture. We see evidence of the reality that money is one of the primary idols of our hearts. You hear it in phrases like, just follow the money, or money talks, or hey, at the end of the day, it's all about the bottom line. We hear it in phrases, the, the idea behind those phrases, the thing that, the reason that resonates with some of us is because deep down we're like, man, I think people's chief God is money. I think that's the reason they make the decisions that they make. You just follow the trail and eventually you, you'd follow the dollars and that'll lead you to the, the reason people have made the decisions that they've made. And unfortunately, there is some truth to that. And hear me say, it's not that money's a bad thing in and of itself. It's a good tool. It's a terrible God. It's a good tool, but it's a terrible God. And so Jesus addresses it head on. 
for the next four weeks. We're going to address it head on. And we will talk through some practical things. We're going to talk through some practical needs of our campus here. We're heading into a renovation of our facility. It's the first time we'll have renovated this facility since we moved in and not really renovating as much as expanding, right? We're pushing this wall back 47 feet. Our hope is to be able to add, uh, we believe statistically, math works out, 400 chairs in here. And it's not about the chairs, it's about the people and the souls that sit in those chairs and the families they represent. So we're pushing this back 47 feet. We're building a multi-purpose room that our kids will be able to use on a Sunday morning and our students will be able to use on Sunday nights. And so that's the, the plan. On November 20th, we're gonna ask folks, and we'll talk more through that throughout the course of the series, but we're asking folks for uh, a, a year commitment to this process, to the overall uh, vision and mission of the church. And I'll talk through that more at the end. But I wanna say this. Throughout the course of this series, we'll talk through some of the practical stuff. My hope is this is far less about fundraising and far more about chain breaking. Because the reality is we've got some folks here, some of us are here, and you're like, man, I don't know why I'm not growing spiritually. I don't know why I don't feel close to the Lord. I don't know why I'm not seeing victory in these areas of my life. And the answer may be because you've got another God sitting on the throne of your life, and it's money. And for you to be able to really walk with Jesus joyfully and serve him and love him and know how much you're loved by him, there has to be a change. And so that's what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 6. Look at Matthew 6, verse 19. He says this. We're going to read to 24. Do not, Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, the thing that you value and treasure most, your heart and your desires are gonna follow that thing. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, it's a bit of a curious statement he makes here. Uh, it's interesting, the Greek word for healthy uh, seems to also indicate generous. And so some commentators said it's almost like I is maybe indicative of the soul. If your soul is generous, your whole body will be full of light. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, the things that you look at, interestingly enough, the Greek word for bad also can indicate stingy. Your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And then he says this in verse 24, which ought to really confront us. He says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other. And that's a Hebrew expression. When you love something so much that it is the chief thing of your life, everything else is hate by comparison. That's why Jesus later on says, you have to hate your mother and your father compared to the way in which you love him. And so he says, you'll either hate the one and you'll love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. But you cannot serve both God and money. The Greek word there, it's, it's like oftentimes uh, translated mammon, right? It's, it's not the, like the dollars. It's the material wealth, the possessions. You can't serve God and wealth. It's not a both and, it's an either or. So three things, right? Three things that we're going to say about Jesus' teaching. We're going to walk through them each once at a time, one at a time. Jesus is teaching on money. It's very straightforward. It's totally logical. And it's completely unnatural. It's very straightforward. It's totally logical and it's completely unnatural. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Let's talk about very straightforward. One, so sometimes Jesus says things and you're like, I don't exactly know what he, this is not one of those times, right? Don't do this and do this. Do not lay up for yourself wealth or treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Now, 
just ask the question, is Jesus anti-saving? Is the Bible anti-saving? Is it like the moment you get a dollar, spend a dollar? No, that would be stupid, right? And, and honestly, the scriptures address this, the Proverbs address this, and, and just when you think about it, common sense would say, look, when you get a paycheck and you know your mortgage is coming out in five days, right, and you gotta pay that, you don't spend all the money that you have right now knowing that you have a future expense coming in five days. And so there's always the sense in which we are saying no to current things because we have other expenses coming down the line. There's always a sense in which we're saving. The Proverbs address, right? Go look at the person who's harvesting during this season, knowing they've got the season of not harvest coming up and they're storing things back. There's absolutely wisdom to saving for future expenses and being wise in that way, financial stewards. But Jesus is saying absolutely, unequivocally, without excuse or apology, don't make your life or your aim, the aim of your life about amassing large amounts of wealth and earthly possessions for yourself. So if I were to say it to you this way, right? If someone came to you and said, hey, what's the goal of your life? If I were to ask you that right now, what's your life goal? And what immediately comes to mind for you is something along the lines of, Kale, I wanna retire early, have a couple million in the bank, own a nice home, right? Maybe a few toys, things that I like, enjoy my retirement years doing the things that I love. That's my goal in life. I would say to you, Man, I, I know we all feel that pull of our culture, do we not? But that's not a Christian answer to the question. That may be the American dream, but it's not the Christian answer to that question. And we, one commentator put it this way, and I think, he, I think he's right. He said, many perceptive observers have sensed that the greatest danger to Western Christianity, American Christianity, is not, as is sometimes alleged, prevailing ideologies such as Marxism, Islam, the New Age movement, or humanism, I would add to that, right, the continuing sexual revolution, but rather the all-pervasive materialism of our affluent culture. We try so hard to create heaven on earth and to throw in Christianity when convenient as another small addition to the so-called good life. Jesus proclaims that unless we're willing to serve him wholeheartedly in every area of life, but particularly with our material resources, we cannot claim to be serving him at all. Listen, I know it's hard. I know it's hard, right, to hear it. You feel that pressure from culture, but I think what Jesus is saying, and when we think about the logic of the gospel, you said, hey, like, Christ has saved me. My life, he gave his life for me at the cross, his cross and my freedom. I've given my life back to him. And so when someone says to us, hey, what's the aim of your life? What's the goal of your life? Really, we should be saying, man, the aim of my life is to give my life for the sake of the kingdom. I wanna run the race well. I wanna finish the race. I wanna serve the Lord with my time, my talents, my treasure, everything he's entrusted me with. I wanna give back to him, use for his kingdom. And when I see him face to face, I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And you know what, in the midst of that, maybe you get to retire early. You, listen, you don't retire from work in the kingdom, but you might retire early from your current occupation for a number of reasons, and that's okay. And God might entrust you with much as far as material resources. That's not wrong either, but that's not the goal. That's not the point and that's not the purpose. Do you see the difference? God might, might give you these things, might do those things in, in your pursuit of him, but that's not the aim of our life. And so that's why I say Jesus is so straightforward. Don't make your life about making money and amassing material possessions. Do make your life 
about what do we, what do, we do? This is the beauty, the beauty of the scriptures. It rarely tells us just don't do this stuff. It says, no, do these things. Do make your life about investing eternally and storing up treasure in heaven, stuff that lasts forever. You say, how do I do that? Simply put, by obeying Jesus in every area of your life. And when it comes to wealth, financial resources specifically, by being generous to the poor, regularly giving away when you have more than you need, giving it away and investing in kingdom purposes. Saying, Lord, it's all yours, right? Taking a stewardship mentality, not an ownership mentality and being generous with the resources that God gives us. Now, second thing, it's totally logical. Why do I say that? So again, it's the the logic of the gospel. If you've been brought into the kingdom, here's what you're saying. Here's what we're saying as sons and daughters of God. When you trust Jesus with your life, you've been forgiven of all your sin, past, present, and future. You have a new identity as God's son or daughter. Jesus' death on the cross was for you. His perfect life credited to your account by grace through faith. And you get to live the rest of your days for him until someday you meet him in eternity and spend an eternity of joy with him. Why, if all of that is true, would you spend your life chasing after stuff that only lasts a day? Like that's, it's not crazy what Jesus is saying. It's actually very, very logical. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to want to go through a thought exercise here. I want you to look ahead and then look back. You're like, what does that mean? Right? I want you to look ahead and uh, I want you actually to think about the end of your life for a second. And I get it. Kale, you're like, this is a depressing morning, right? Well, just... (laughs) Do that, bear with me, okay? I want you to think ahead. I want you to think about to your deathbed. Families gathered around you, end of your life, however many years the Lord has given you. I want you there, if you're, if you're there with me, right? Now look back. I want you to look back over the years of your life. And I want you to think, if I were not to change anything about how I'm living, if I were just to continue to spend the resources that God has given me in the way that I'm spending, spending my time and my talents, if the trajectory of my life didn't change right now, and then you go forward to 80 or 90 or 75 or whatever it is that God gives you, looking back in that moment, how much of it mattered eternally? Looking back over your life, how much could you say right now, I am pleased with the way that I've spent the things that God has given me? How much of it made an eternal difference? The reason I bring us there is because I think I think the Lord wants us to get to that day. And listen to me, right? Some of us, you, you're like, I lived a long time not as a believer and it feels like wasted time. God is a God of redemption, of redeeming stories, taking our mistakes and working them for good. Praise him for it. But for, if you're walking with him now, I don't want you to get to the end of your life. I don't think Jesus wants us to get to the end of our life and look back and say, I basically wasted it. I have so many regrets of things that I wish I would have done differently for the sake of the kingdom. I want, I believe Jesus wants us to get to there. The Lord wants us to be able to sit there looking back and saying, it mattered. It mattered eternally. I invested in the things that made sense from an eternal perspective, things that had eternal value. That's why I say that it's totally logical. He's actually giving us, Jesus isn't saying, hey, don't invest. He's actually saying, I want to give you a better investment strategy. Do this. Invest in the things that matter. Did you know, by the way, that the stock market in heaven never crashes? <laughs> Ever. The return on investment is always up and to the right. Whatever illustration helps you understand it. Like Jesus is saying, you can't lose. Like when you give it away and you say, it's not about me, 
and the Lord has entrusted us with a certain amount of resources, but it's for him to provide for our needs. But when we have more than we need, we give to others who are in need. He's like, man, you don't lose, you gain. You're investing in eternity and that investment never fails and never goes away. That's why Jesus says, don't put it in stuff that, so in the ancient world, right? When he's talking about moth and rust and thieves thieves breaking the steel, they didn't really have banks the way that we have banks. Sometimes they had currency the way we have currency to some extent, but a lot of their wealth and possessions was in animals and uh, iron tools and things that like literally moth could eat and clothing, right? Moth could eat it, rust could kill it. Thieves come in and steal it. And so Jesus is like, "Don't, don't put it there. Put it here where it lasts forever. And listen, we may not deal with those exact same issues, but the reality is our money is just as temporary today as it has ever been. And heaven is just as eternal. I was reminded of that reality, right? That our material wealth, it's just as temporary as it's ever been. I was taking my boys this week to the dump. Uh, Every once in a while, we got to clear out some stuff, right? And you got stuff that you try to give away and stuff that you're like, I don't think anyone's going to want this, right? Like it just needs to be thrown away. And I'm sitting there at the dump looking at all this stuff that we're throwing away. And you're like, man, like just a couple of years ago, like we were really excited about buying this thing, right? And then you open up the package and here's the 57 Ikea steps to putting it together simply, right? And you're like, it's gonna be great. And then where does it end up? At the dump. And I'm looking around at our, it just, I mean, there's vehicle after vehicle after vehicle putting stuff in there. And I'm looking at, this is stuff that was once new and excited people. And you're like, it's gonna make us happy. And then after a little while, it just ends up in the trash. I mean, probably more than ever, our stuff is temporary. So why would we place our value there? Why would we put our hopes and our value in stuff that simply doesn't last? Jesus says, it doesn't make sense. Don't do that. Invest in the things that matter onto eternity for the Lord. And thirdly, it's completely unnatural, right? And here's what I mean. If we're honest with ourselves, even though I think most of us can hear that and go, that makes sense. Don't put your hope in your heart on stuff that doesn't matter. Put it for eternity. If we're honest with ourselves, there is a sinful, selfish bent to the human heart. That's what I mean by it's not natural. By nature, we don't grow up thinking. And if you're like, I did, right? Come talk to me later, right? But like, we don't grow up saying, I think God owns everything and I'm just a steward. And if I have more than I need, I should give it away to help others in need. I think I should regularly sacrifice temporary pleasures for eternal reward. I think I should be radically generous with all the things that I have and never place my hope in material things. I don't know about you, but that's not like, I don't just grow up exuding all of those things. That doesn't come naturally to us. In fact, I think if we're honest, we would say on a consistent basis, that's impossible. It's impossible to have that kind of mindset on just a consistent basis. But praise God, Jesus said, right, with man, it's impossible. But with God, what? All things, all things. There's different context he's talking about, but I'm pretty sure all things covers all things, right? All things are possible. And so for us to have this kind of attitude toward wealth, for us to truly be free of the love of money, to where it doesn't dictate our life, doesn't dominate our thinking, we're not trusting in material wealth, it requires us to be made new at a heart level. And praise God, that's what the gospel is about. That Christ has come and his death on the cross was sufficient for you and me, that God raised him from the grave. And when we trust him, we get a new self a new relationship to the Lord, his spirit living in us. And he really does have the power to set us free. That the love of money goes as the love of Christ grows. 
and it displaces the love of money and sets us free because we've got a new master, a new king, a new love. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 24, right? He says, no one can serve two masters. One of these things is gonna dominate your life for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will love the one to be devoted to it and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's not a both and, it is an either or. There will be some master of your heart, some king of your heart and soul. It'll either be Christ or it'll be money. And we said it a, a couple of months ago, I used this illustration that there's a throne inside of everyone's heart, right? Inside of your heart and soul, there's a throne there and something or someone is sitting on that throne. And Jesus is saying, it's a one-seater, not a two-seater. It can't be me and something else. It can't be, I'm gonna live the good life and I'll throw Jesus in when it's convenient or helpful. If that's the overarching purpose, if material wealth is your God, then God is not. And that's what Jesus is saying. But praise God, praise God. You say, I mean, can we really be free of it? Yeah. The spirit of the living God comes and lives inside of us. And as we begin to treasure Christ, earthly treasures become a lot more dim and they lose their hold on our life. And we recognize, man, it's a terrible God, but it's a useful tool when used for the sake of the kingdom. But it requires for Jesus to be king. It requires a new relationship with him. And that's where I wanna close this. Um, If you're gonna have Jesus on the throne of your life, if you're gonna live in the kingdom and you wanna have Jesus as the king, I think there's, there's a, there's a way in which we can hear that, especially the master and servant language where you're like, man, it sounds like, yeah, I want to have Jesus. I know that's the right answer, but I'm just, you know, I'm slaving away. And I have, we have to remember, this all makes sense based on the relationship that we have with the Lord. Yes, Jesus is King and he's also Savior. Yes, Jesus is Master. And he also looks at us and says, I call you friend, brother, sister. God is our Savior, our King, and he's our Father. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us to pray. And what did Jesus say? Our Father who's in heaven. You're his son or his daughter. He loves you. And this isn't meant to be just a a drudgery. I have to give away some money. I got to give away some resources so that I'm a good Christian. No, it's when you joyfully walk in relationship with the Lord, your whole value system changes because you've understood, I found the treasure that supersedes all other treasures, Christ and Christ alone. Now I'm free. I'm free to use this stuff for the way he calls me to, to do it joyfully and to serve my king because I know he loves me. And I know that the king proved that love for me when he left his throne. And for a time he exchanged the heavenly crown for the crown of thorns. And then he went to the cross. Jesus, who lived a perfect life in your place and in mine, then went to the cross. You see, why? taking on the sin, the penalty for sin that you and I deserved, the wrath of God against sin, falling on Jesus at the cross and Jesus saying, if you will trust me, if you will turn from that sin, repent of it and trust me, I will give you this perfect life and I will take your sin upon my shoulders. My sin upon his shoulders, we sing. The great exchange. And as you step into relationship with Jesus and you see God, You're my source of security. It's not my bank account. You're my source of hope. It's not my future dream home. You're my source of joy. It's not the material wealth that I have or anything else. Lord, it's you and you alone. You are my strong fortress and my shelter, my God, my King and my Father. And oh, how you have loved me. 
that changes you from the inside out. And it shows up in every facet of your life, including the way that you handle financial resources. So here's my hope over the course of this series, as we walk through this together, right? My hope so much is that we, for those of us who who would say, man, I, I know Jesus, we'll just fall deeper in love with him, treasure him more and see some real chains break here and grow in in generosity and giving towards others and using our resources in a way that we're like, Lord, I think it matters eternally, (laughs) giving toward things that matter. For those of us who are here and you're like, man, I've never really stepped into a relationship with Jesus. Before before you hear me talk about, here's how you should handle your finances differently. It's, man, we gotta get your heart right. You need to step into a relationship with the Lord and know that he loves you. Come to love him. And then increased generosity, that's a result of that because generosity reflects the heart of God toward us. And so my deep, deep hope for us, what I'm praying for us is that God will grow us through this. He will break chains and that none of us will miss out on the eternal joy of knowing and walking with Jesus because we're so blinded by the temporary joys of material things. I want us to be able to walk with him and live in a way that we say, Lord, this echoes on into eternity. Let's pray together. Father, God, we love you. We thank you that you're our father, that we get to call you that, and that you call us sons and daughters. Lord, I pray uh, first for anyone here today who has never taken that step to trust you with their life, Um, God, I care and you care how they handle the resources that you've entrusted them with. Um, But Father, first is the good news of Christ that this God who created them so loved them that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I pray God for those who walked in this morning who don't have a real relationship with you that today would be the day. And if that's you right now, I wanna give you a moment to pray and to reflect on that and say, Lord, I wanna start that relationship with you today. Maybe this is something that God has been doing in your life for some time. Maybe you've heard the gospel clearly for the first time today. I'm a sinner in need of a savior and Jesus, the son of God, crucified and resurrected is that savior. And turn from sin and trust him today. And then I want to I want to pray and, and really give a moment for uh, the rest of us. If you would say, "Man, I'm a believer in Christ," just especially that moment where I ask us to look ahead and then look back. We're going to be here for the next three weeks, and there's work to be done. But I just want to give you a moment to pray and speak to the Lord. Whatever you saw in that moment and what you feel like the Lord is speaking to you, maybe you know, Lord, I do need to make some changes here. Ask Him for the strength and the courage and the discipline and ultimately the joy to go and do that and to let go of things for the sake of gaining Christ. Take a moment, just pray.
Father, we love you. We trust you. And God, we wanna be more like you. And so don't stop working in our lives. Even when it's uncomfortable, by the power of the Holy Spirit, continue to sanctify us and make us look more like Jesus in every area of our life, including how we steward the financial resources you've given to us. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.